0: You're listening to Aussie Fire, a guide to financial independence for Australians. We're big fans of sharing experiences and talking about money. But remember, any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs, or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. Chapter 19 Fuel for the Fire Leverage by Victor from the Frugal Samurai. Narrated by Thomas from Perla. Introduction Ah, debt and leverage. Those two words resonate with all of us in different ways. Some people embrace and welcome them with open arms. Others can't run away fast enough. When applied correctly, leverage is the strategic tool that expands our resources beyond our capital limitations to produce greater results than we can generate by ourselves. The thing is though, many people misunderstand leverage. It's risky, it's a financial bondage, it destroys lives. Yes, yes, and all yes. But what if you can harness it? Accumulating wealth comes from the compound growth of personal and financial capital over time. The crucial aspect is that it doesn't have to be your personal or financial capital the basics of debt and leverage. Debt is simply money that you owe. Debt often occurs when a borrower seeks a loan from a lender. In most cases, the borrower will pay interest to the lender. This interest is the cost of the debt. Leverage and debt often go hand in hand. Leverage is the use of debt to acquire something. And when leverage is used for investment purposes, That's when the exciting stuff happens. Here's a simple example of how debt and leverage work. Let's say your friend Mike invests $1,000 of his own money and invests in stocks. If the stocks go up 20%, then Mike is feeling pretty chuffed as he's just made $200 from his original investment. Your other friend Michaela sees what Mike has done and decides to go for gold she borrows $1,000 on top of her original $1,000 investment, so $2,000 in total. If the stocks again go up 20%, she's made $400. She then pays back the $1,000 and keeps the $400 as a 40% return on her initial cash. Conversely, if the stock prices drop 20%, then Mike is down $200, or 20% of his money. But Michaela? she's taken a $400 or 40% haircut to hers, and that's not factoring in any interest of a loan either. In other words, leverage equals debt when invested multiplied by the return, and that's for both profits and losses. The Pros and Cons of Financial Leverage Before jumping into any investment idea, it's always good to understand both the pros and the cons. This is even more so when we're discussing debt, and more specifically, investing with debt or leverage. Here are some of the pros. You're able to obtain control over an investment for a relatively smaller upfront investment. You may be able to increase your purchasing power to acquire more assets through debt financing. Usually, the interest in fees involved with leveraging is tax deductible, although check with your tax specialist. And if all goes well, financial leverage can lead to higher returns than if you'd purchased with just cash. Now, here are some of the cons. If the investment falls in value, that fall is amplified. Typically, there's an obligation to repay ongoing interest associated with the debt, and this eats into cash flow. If you're overleveraged, i.e. you hold too much debt, things can go south very quickly if the market turns against you and each time you borrow money, you're putting your credibility at stake. This is reflected in your credit score. Of course, there are numerous other benefits and risks involved with leverage. Factors such as interest rate changes, both up and down, income changes, such as from rental changes from an investment property, or your own lifestyle changes like needing more or less money to serve as debt. However, The above are the main ones to consider when deciding whether debt and how much debt is right for you. There's a quote about leverage from Warren Buffett that I really love. When you combine ignorance and leverage, you get some pretty interesting results. Ways debt and leverage can be used on your FIRE journey. So, you're comfortable with the risks and understand the potential rewards with using leverage. But how exactly can we use debt to achieve our financial goals? Well, the following are just some of the ways we can all utilize leverage. It's important to remember though, that these are general strategies only. Always seek professional advice to tailor a plan that suits you. Strategy one, gear up to build wealth. Once you have a handle on managing your current debt levels, the time might come for you to consider borrowing for investment purposes. By gearing or leveraging up, you could potentially multiply your investment profits and achieve those wealth goals sooner. To be successful in the long run, the investments you acquire with borrowed money must generate a total return, that's income and capital growth, that exceeds the after-tax costs of financing the investment. Traditionally, the two ways of leveraging are through property and shares. Let's begin with property as investment loans. Let's say you put down a $100,000 deposit to buy a property that's worth $500,000. Then let's say the property value increases to $600,000. The nominal return is a $100,000 gain, or 20%, but the real return is 100%, less interest and fees. Now, with shares, the same principles work, but let's go for a more detailed example. Let's say you've made a $5,000 investment, which compounds at 10% per annum over 20 years. The result at the end will be $33,637. Now, let's switch that up to a $10,000 investment. With $5,000 coming from borrowed funds, that are capitalized at 7% per annum over 20 years. Now, this investment will yield $67,275. Let's deduct the interest, which would be $19,348, and we are left with $47,927. That's resulted in a higher gain of $14,290. Strategy two, effective use of a lump sum or debt transformation. If you're lucky enough to receive a financial windfall, such as a bonus from work or an inheritance, you may want to consider using the money to reduce your home loan and borrow an equivalent amount for investment purposes. This is achieved through two steps. Step one, utilize the lump sum to reduce the home loan balance. Either pay the lump sum directly into the loan or into a 100% offset account. Step two, take out an investment loan for an equivalent amount to be invested into something like property or shares, for example. This is known as debt transformation because it enables you to convert non-tax-deductible debt into a tax-deductible one. But again, check with your tax specialist. Although your overall debt level is unchanged, you could potentially reduce your after-tax interest costs considerably and establish an investment portfolio to help build your long-term wealth. Alternatively, you can reduce your home loan balance faster using these tax savings. Strategy three, debt recycling. Following on from debt transformation, debt recycling is where you progressively redraw your home loan repayments for investment purposes to replace non-tax deductible debt with tax deductible debt. This allows us to build wealth for the long term to meet our lifestyle goals whilst also having a home loan. A typical way to do this is to borrow against the equity of your home as an investment loan. However, it's important to understand that you need to be able to cover the monthly expense of the new loan from your current cash flow. Here's how it works. Use the equity in your home to establish an investment loan. Two, invest the borrowed money in assets such as shares and or property. Three, use the income from the new investment as well as any surplus cash flow to reduce your outstanding loan balance. Four, at the end of each year, you borrow an amount equivalent to what you've paid off your home loan to buy more investments. Five, Rinse and repeat until the home loan is repaid. Now, a word of caution. Debt recycling is a higher risk strategy because you're using borrowed money to invest and using your own home equity to secure this debt. If the investment performs poorly or interest rates rise, you're at risk of facing significant financial stress. Before jumping in, it's important to consider a few points. Firstly, it might take longer to pay off the original home loan, as surplus cash is redirected to meet interest cost on the investment loan, which increases over time. Secondly, there's a material difference in cash flow if any of the loans are either interest only or principal in interest. And thirdly, interest rates between various lenders and loan products vary substantially, which has a direct impact on your cash flow. Strategy four, offset your investment loans. If you have an investment loan and you're currently saving for a future non-investment purpose, such as a holiday or a new car, you might wanna have a think of using the offset facility attached to your investment loan. This is because if you transferred all your monies to pay down the loan and then withdraw the funds back out for a non-investment purpose, you've effectively diluted the tax deductibility of your investment loan, and hence reduced the portion of that interest which can be claimed as a tax deduction. This is why depositing spare cash into a 100% offset account linked to the investment loan could be a better option. By doing this, you retain the tax deductibility of the loan and reduce your interest obligations at the same time. As the offset account is separate to the loan, you can continue to make repayments or redraw funds without affecting the size of the investment loan and tax deductibility of the interest. By way of example, our friend Michaela has an investment loan of $200,000, which she used to purchase an investment property. She's also received a handy $20,000 bonus from work, with which she plans to buy a new car in 12 months' time. In this situation, Michaela has two options. One, is she can pay $20,000 directly into the investment loan. In this case, the loan balance drops to $180,000. But when she withdraws the $20,000 back out, she can only claim deductions on the $180,000. This is because the $20,000 has diluted the original investment purpose of the loan. The other option is that she can pay $20,000 directly into the investment loan offset account. This means she's effectively paying interest on $180,000. It also means that when she withdraws the funds out, she can still claim tax deductions against the original $200,000 because the original loan is untouched. If you'd like to see the pros and cons of these strategies compared, there's a leverage strategy comparison table on page 234 of the ebook. Common asset classes for leverage. After reviewing these strategies, you've decided you want to use more leverage to accelerate your fire journey. But what will you leverage into? Here are three of the most common asset classes and what to watch out for with them. Real estate. When you hear about large sums of debt, usually you think about real estate. Because without debt, buying into the property market would be extremely difficult to do. Here are some of the benefits of using leverage in real estate. 1. It allows entry into the housing market. 2. You control how much you want to borrow through your deposit level. 3. There are no margin calls if there's a housing market downturn. 4. You'll usually get a lower interest rate than in other asset classes. 5. You can enjoy more flexible features such as offset facilities, redraw options, and loan holidays. And now some of the risks. 1. A mortgage takes a long time to pay down. 2. Interest repayments tend to be higher as a proportion of income. Three. It's still an asset class, which means there is volatility. Just Google negative equity in mining towns for an example. Four, interest rates can rise. Five, real estate transactions are illiquid, which means a higher likelihood of lower returns when selling if you need immediate cash flow. Stocks, just like real estate, You can leverage into the stock market through margin loans, either as a lump sum or regular installments. Here are some of the benefits of using leverage in the stock market. 1. You control how much you borrow, as different stocks and managed funds have capped leverage levels. For example, you might see 40% for the riskier stocks and up to 75% for the blue chips. 2. Installment gearing allows dollar cost averaging. Which means investments acquired at regular intervals to smooth out volatility. Three. Prepaying interest in advance, which you can also do with property, allows greater cash flow certainty. And some of the risks? One. There's usually a higher rate of interest than home loans. Two. There's a potential for margin calls if there's a market downturn, which means a higher chance to lose much more than your initial investment. Three, you have limited investment options as it's subject to the lender. As an aside, I worked for a margin lender many moons ago, smack bang in the middle of the GFC. I saw things with my eyes which I cannot unsee and heard things with my ears which I cannot unhear. It was harrowing stuff. Leveraged Share Fund or ETF There are actively managed funds and passive ETFs which use leverage within their own investment for potential outperformance. Here are some of the benefits of using leverage in managed funds or ETFs. 1. The fund is able to borrow at wholesale interest rates, which are generally lower than those available to individuals. 2. Usually, no margin calls are required if there's an investment market downturn. 3. Most of the loans are limited recourse, which means your personal liability is limited to the value of your initial investment. 4. Investing in the fund is much simpler than establishing a borrowing facility yourself. And now for some of the risks. 1. You have limited control over the gearing level. 2. There's a limited number of providers and investment options. Three the interest on the fund borrowings is generally offset against the fund income. 4. No tax deduction for interest is available to investors as it's the fund who takes out the borrowing, not the investor. There are many more asset classes which participate in leverage, of course. Examples include the FX market where leverage can often go up to 500 to 1. That's $1 controls $500. There's the futures market, where margin calls are part and parcel of the game, which is probably best evidenced in the Eddie Murphy movie Trading Places. The options market, where we enter the world of iron condors, butterfly spreads, and long strangles, and much, much more. But that's entering the world of trading and speculation, not for the faint-hearted. It's a jungle out there. If you'd like to visually compare the pros and cons of leverage in real estate against leverage in stocks, there's a handy graph on page 237 of the ebook. I must say I thoroughly enjoyed writing this chapter, as debt and leverage are concepts quite close to my heart. Mrs. Frugal Samurai and I are pretty deep in the real estate fire journey ourselves. We both use the notions detailed here on a daily basis, and I sincerely hope that you can take some of this away on your own path, be it in real estate or shares or whatever you choose. Please remember, investing is all about managing risk, and risk is there to be controlled. Happy investing! About Victor from the Frugal Samurai Victor is a 30-something-year-old millennial from Sydney, Australia. Growing up, no one showed him how to attain wealth, so he's had to teach himself the hard way he shares his journey to being financially independent at thefrugalsamurai.com. He typically focuses on investing, personal finance, and development, as well as commenting on topical financial issues. He's worked in the financial industry for over 15 years and counting, and this allows him a unique perspective as a fly on the wall. We hope you enjoyed this chapter of Aussie Fire. For more inspiration, head to perlacom slash explore to browse our resources, Calculators and community insights. Perler is an authorised representative, number one two eight one five four zero, of Sandlam Private Wealth Proprietary Limited, AFSL three three seven nine two seven. Knowledge is power, especially when investing. So always seek advice and/or check out the relevant disclosure document for any financial product, including the PDS and TMD before deciding which is available from the product issuer's website. When you invest, your capital is at risk and past performance is not a reliable indicator of future investment returns.